Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Sorry, I was running late. shower actually actually I trimmed my beard a little bit lower than usual so I had to like equal it all out that's all so there you go um so yeah Pete told me all my writings are backwards because of the camera so I figured out how to fix that is that I'm just going to get everything printed backwards and then put behind me shouldn't shouldn't cost that much money <laughs> all my books and everything um so it's morning for some of you, evening for others, afternoon for others, and uh, here we are in the dream we all dream of. Ah, glorious, glorious, glorious life. Um, let's see here. Um, I really do need some sun. I am just very pale, very gothic. Um... We've got lots, lots to talk about today. Um, you know, it's always hard to, not always, but sometimes it's hard to start these things. Um, one thing I, I, I deal with a lot as uh, auditor, auditor, a speaker, a kind of pastory type person is... is when I go through hard times, and I'm sure I do this a lot anyway, but it's like, you know, do you, you know, I think that was a great thing about Galatians is, is that I could kind of like bring, you bring in real life and, and bring in the verses and do all those things. Um, I don't know if you can get sun in Seattle, so I, I, uh, not today, not today. Tanning booths or spray tan, that would be my jam. So it'd be kind of orange, like an Oompa Loompa. And I could sing a song and tell you all the story of uh, why the kid drowned in chocolate or ate too much gum. Um, no, so, yeah, so sometimes it's like, you know, I, I, going through life is just tough. And, um, I mean, I think I always share that with you guys. So it's it's not that I'm torn to do it. It's just I do think about it sometimes. It's like, you know, like, is this, you know, should I be bringing you know, all my shit to Sunday. Sometimes I worry about that. But what are you going to do? That's life, right? Um, and life is tough. So there you go. I, I hope you guys are doing, you know, well and better. And I'm doing okay right now. We've got, uh, my kids are about to be on. Somehow my kids got two different weeks for, for um, spring break, so I have like week one and week two, so, but it'll be fun because I like spending one-on-one -on -one time with the kiddos, they're fun. Um, so what I decided to do was kind of talk, look at some of these the, the verses about suffering and um, try to be really, really honest with you guys about these verses, you know, because, um, I, I don't believe the Bible is an answer book at all. And, uh, but it does help us wrestle with the questions. I remember, I think it was Brian McLaren was like, the Bible's not important because it's not like a, a math book because it gives us all the odd numbers or even numbers, whatever numbers you want correct in the back. Um, or it's not like a law book, you know, um, but it's a book that, it's not because it gives you the answers. It, it, when you really learn is not when you're given answers, is but when you learn to wrestle with these things and kind of figure out where they are in your own life. And uh, I think that's what a lot of us in our own daily struggles have to figure out, like, what, what works for us, you know. Um, and also realize, like, these guys were, you know, a lot of these people in the Bible are writing about, you know, they are suffering. I mean, their lives are com way, like, compared to us. Like, 
just think about if you've had a shower in the past five days, it's, you've already lived better than their most kings did back then. Um, but I had a shower today. <laughs> so that's all I wanted to share. I had a shower today. Thanks. Bye. No. Um, so, you know, but they also had the life expectancy, like in, like died in their thirties. So actually Jesus probably lived a pretty good life when you think about it. You know, and I'm what, 46 now. And, uh, you know, life is, is still, it gets tougher. It gets harder. You know, I mean, it, it goes through different waves and different things. And um, I think it's gotten harder, especially for me, because I, I wasn't really raised to, the, to, to be in a system because my parents weren't so concerned with education, unfortunately. And so I've had to self-teach myself. Most of my education is self-taught. Um but also when you don't kind of buy into a lot of the cultural ideas of what success is and what it's not and things like that. And it just can be difficult. But I think also the other side is when you do get into it, you go, oh, where's meaning? And does life have meaning? So I think suffering is something we all experience across the board. Um, whether you call it depression or, you know, just being down or whatever. But I think it's something that we can all kind of uh, share in. And, and, and one of the things I do like about like the Bible is not being an answer book, but something for us to figure out and do differently. And I think this is the mistake the church has made is that we just made copies of each other. You know what I mean? Like, oh, hot worship bands work. Let's get that. You know, like it kind of got to sound like you too. Or I don't know. I haven't, don't know what the worship bands sound like right now, but you know, and this is going to be the way the service, you know, kind of works, you know. Some people are like, I'm going to get crazy and do music at the beginning, maybe in the middle and the end, you know. But still, it's not really that different. And I think that's the mistake we've made is in, in, the, in the system is making everybody carve and copy rather than realizing, like, you know, this is a book that helps us figure out problems. And we kind of figure out what does a community in my community look like? You know, how does helping someone with suffering as an individual look like compared to another friend. Like one person might deal with suffering one way or another. So I definitely don't want to give this idea that like, I'm giving a sermon today and it's going to be the band-aid for everyone's suffering. You know, that's not it. It's kind of like step, you know, step back, you know, step way back and take a look and see how does this apply? Does it apply? And, um, what are different ways we can use this stuff for, uh, for ourselves and others, you know? Um, so last week we talked about, did Jesus back up anything in Galatians? And we kind of figured out that Jesus pretty much nailed it and backed up everything, and that was fun. So today, then Galatians, which was obviously my personal favorite. And then today we're going to um, talk about suffering. So let's just dive right in, shall we? And so as I was looking at the verses of, of suffering, um, I just kind of went in order as, as the books were put in. <laughs> um, I tried to at least, so, you know, we're, I won't get too fancy and jump all around. Um, but Romans 5, I think, is, is probably a popular one for a lot of people. Um, Romans 5, 3. Romans 5, 3. I'm supposed to have an eyeglass appointment, an eye appointment this week, and I'm so happy because I've been so blind um, lately. Because like, I'm like, where are the numbers at? Why didn't they put numbers in the Bible? Um, I'm going to have to get one of those, the bold print Bibles. Okay, I'm just going to put where I'm highlighted since I can't find the three. Oh, there's the three, I think. Very tiny. All right. Romans 5, we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. Oh, there you are, three. And not only that, but we also boast in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, 
and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Now, that just seems like a really nice Band-Aid answer on um, um, a real good Band-Aid answer for for suffering. Like, hey, just be happy when you suffer, all right? <laughs> Don't worry. Oh, God's got something prepared for you, you know? And I, I it's so funny because I get recommended. You know, and now that Instagram has all these recommendations, um, and you would be, it's bizarre what I get, the combinations of things that I get. Um, but one of the things, um, <laughs> one of the things I get, I get different preachers and pastors that will come up on my, on my, um, Instagram and then they'll, you know, they do little video sermons, you know, and a lot of them be like, if you're not suffering, you're not going to get your reward, you know, and it's all this, this stuff. And as a human being, as someone who's lived life, um, I wish it was that clear. You know, I mean, I guess it's to give you hope when you're in the middle of shit. You know, I'm like, but suffering's gonna get better. Now, I will say this. I have learned that in suffering does build endurance. And endurance does help you get through suffering. But suffering is cunning, much like, uh, pain is cunning, just much like uh, panic attacks. You know, I, it's so funny. Like, I, I suffered for years with panic attacks, and then I figured out how to deal with them. And as soon as I, like, learned how to, to cope with panic attacks, I'd have these really bad panic attacks, and I learned, accept the, this, okay, accept the pain. So I got rid of the panic attack. And uh, then, like, a year and a half later, I'm, I'm driving down the highway, and all of a sudden, I, I, I think I'm choking. Now, this is something that had never happened before, you know, and, I, and I'm panicking and I'm freaking out and, and I pull over. Well, this all of a sudden became a new thing for me. And so I had to carry water everywhere I went because I always thought I was going to choke to death, um, especially when I was driving on the highway. And so it, it, was, it, it was like the panic found another way to come in and really devastate me, you know. And I think so often when we think that we've got you know, like, okay, I've suffered through everything. It's surprising what what will will find its way through your, like, armor, you know, like that little chink in your armor, that little place in your armor, and it'll just go right in, and you're just like, oh, you know. But I want to kind of look at this and say, so, so we boast in our hopes of sharing the glory of God, and not only then, but also boast in our suffering Knowing that suffering produces endurance. Now, we, I agree with that. And endurance produces character. I agree with that. And character produces hope. I guess I kind of agree with that. And hope does not disappoint because God's love has been poured into our hearts. Through, But this is the thing about God's love. And I think what's important to look at is that this is not talking about man in the sky going like, I love you, you know. This is talking about community. This is talking about what we've talked about this whole year so far is how do we love each other? How do we disagree well with each other? How do we, how are we patient with one another? Um, how do we gentle and humbly restore one another? You know, that's been a part of it. And so this is part of the maturity. Now, one of the things I found like in the 12-step program is for me is when I would work with other people, often that would help take my focus off myself. Help, and by helping someone else I would not I, I, my, I would almost share my suffering in a way because I was sharing with someone else who was suffering and there's something to be said about like you know mourn with mourners laugh with people rejoice when people rejoice um, I can't remember where that verse is right now but there is something to be said about that because it does help you know I mean I, I I've got friends when they see me going through a rough time that reach out to me now, I don't, if you know me, I don't want to have a long conversation and, and analyze it. That's why I go to my analyst. But, but it is nice to have people who recognize, hey, I see what you're going through. Hey, you know, this is tough. I, I get it. And it's nice to be recognized. And I think that's where we look at God's love and where we see hope is in the other. And we hear about each other's experiences. I know when I think of Steve Peters, you know, and all the hell he's been through, 
you know, I find a lot of hope. But at the same time, I don't go like, oh, he's been through more hell than me, so I can't share my suffering. Or, you know, he's opened up the door to say, share your suffering. You know, we can talk about this. Pain is pain. And there's something beautiful in that. Um, I think what happens in the church is, is we often just either want to be in complete, in any faith, we either want to be in complete denial of our suffering or think suffering is somehow this horrible thing, which, which the Bible is trying to say like, no, it's not that bad. It is part of growing. It is part of, you know, and you do get empathy for it and you do get sympathy for other people, you know. It's, it's, you know, you can sometimes connect when someone's trying to connect with you who's not really been through a whole lot in their life. But they've had their own pain anyway, but you just, you can sometimes see that. Um, but, but this is, is to help us, you know, bear one another's burdens, suffer through this. So I think when this verse, when I think when Paul says this stuff, and what's great is reading this from Paul is knowing that we just went through Galatians and kind of knowing where Paul is with a lot of this stuff and what he means when he says this stuff. And that's kind of like, how do we read the Bible? And that's what I would often like now challenge the people who were like, I'm doing deconstruction. I'm like, all right, well, if you're doing deconstruction, you got to do some construction to see how these things go together, to see how these people talk, um, to learn how certain people think. Because honestly, when you start to learn how, how apostles think or philosophers think, uh, and you can kind of get in that, it doesn't become so confusing because you can go, oh, and that's often why, like, in philosophy, they're like, oh, well, this guy said this, but he's referring to this guy, you know, and we can do do the same thing in th with theology is go, oh, this is referencing, oh, this is, oh, this is also referencing that, and you get a broader understanding. So what often we've taken and said, well, this verse means this, you know, well, does it? Because here they said this, and within the customs, it's this, and it actually comes from a pagan idea from this, you know, and so you can bring those things together and go, oh, and in that way, you've constructed something that's also deconstructed something that was just taken out of context. When you put things into context, it's amazing uh, what happens. And so when we look at that and go, you know, Paul is saying, because God love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So what do I love when I love God? What do I love when I love the Holy Spirit? I love my others and I try to love myself. But I have to do that usually through others. Isn't that interesting how that works? You know, I, I, I don't sit here by myself and go, I'm going to heal myself. You know, I don't pay for an analyst to say, okay, go sit in a room by yourself. I, I, I pay for to have this analyst who's learned all about pain and suffering and unconscious and all these different things to talk with me and to lead me in the right direction. And that's what we do for each other as community through suffering. And we can build each other up. Um, it's, it's much easier to suffer when you know others are there. Even if they're not there, they've made it clear that they are there, that you have that option to lean on someone, to pick up that phone if you need it. All right. So for me, pain does, does, uh, lead to character. I mean, it does build character in you. Um, but it's not, you know, but for me, I've also had to go to a lot of therapy and see a lot of analysts and talk to a lot of people. So that's why I think community is so important. Um, even if it's just texting or on the phone, um, because I'm very, you know, isolated right now. Um, hopefully that'll change soon. Uh, somewhat. <laughs> I kind of like it. Um, but I've also realized another thing that helps me with, with suffering is radical acceptance of what I'm in, radical acceptance of, of loss. You know, um, there's something about death that death is so final when, when someone's gone, it feels so final and so over and, and you're kind of forced to accept it. And one of the things I learned in one of my therapies, which was called dialectic behavioral therapy, um, was, was radical acceptance. And, you know, often just sitting with the idea that this is this is the pain I'm going through, this is the issue that's causing the pain, I need to accept this issue and, and now live my life because this is how it is. Because sometimes you just have to <laughs> practice radical acceptance and I know that's tough. So let's jump um, over to Romans 8. See, I said I was gonna try to go in order today. Um, Romans 8, 
believe it is 35. Now, this is the cool thing. Once again, and let's look at this in a, in a almost a radical theology way where we're stepping back again. We're looking at it, but we're also looking at it not just through the lens of Romans and Paul and Rome. Who are they saying to Rome? But also through the lens of Paul that we've heard from Paul in Galatians and also through the lens of what we heard from Jesus last week. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these, these different figures in, in, in religious faith and what we know about life. So, you know, use your lens, use your common sense in this as well, okay? Who will separate us in Galatians 8, 28? Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep in slaughter. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else, whatever action will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I like um, in the New Living, it says, neither the gates of hell will separate us from the love of God. Now, why do I read this after that? Well, if you look at other organizations, if you look at social media, if you look at the church history of how we've treated the other, um, and if we, if we look at that, we see that this has not been practiced, that we've left loving others, loving others in the midst of turmoil and horror up to God in some ways. Um, because it's like, what have we got here? We've got war going on. We've got distress. We've got persecution, which these folks are all in the middle of. I mean, Christians in Rome were being fed to lions and tigers and bears, oh my, yes. I mean, they were being used to light parties of Roman governors, you know, as, here, this is what happens to Christians. They are actually being crucified by Rome as well. Um, Jesus, yeah. On hills to be like, hey, this is what happens when you're, when you follow this, this weird faith, we put you up there. Or when you get out of line with anything, <laughs> we put you up there or you can light our, light our parties. You can help enlighten us by being a, uh, a burning stick. Um, horrible things. And Paul's sitting here going, now none of this will separate you from the love of God. Um, but the church has sent a message saying like, well, yeah, this stuff is, is cool, but what will separate you from the love of God is, is, uh, financial irregularities, um, sexual promiscuity, um, being gay or lesbian, um, and, and then a history go even further back, interracial marriage, you know, these are the things that will separate you from the love of God, even though Paul's saying even the gates of hell don't separate us from the love of God. And the reason I'm saying this is our suffering in the darkest hour do not separate us from God. Now, some of the worst suffering I had in my life is when I had kind of a nervous breakdown about three and a half years ago, four years ago, tried to take my own life. And after that, I remember one day in the shower feeling, and I've told this story before, feeling completely abandoned by God completely that God was not there. And I had read Dr. Rollins's book, um, one of his books. I was friends with him for 10 years. I figured I should probably read one of his damn books. Finally did. And what I realized is when I was alone in that moment, feeling forsaken by God, I was, that made sense to me sharing with the suffering of Christ. Because I was like, when am I going to be, you know, physically beaten? But to tell you what, sometimes it does feel like physical beating. But I felt abandoned in that moment where Jesus, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it is strange to me that the closest moment I felt to Christ was the moment I felt abandoned by God. But that's possible. And, uh, and the funny thing is, is what, you know, so when I talk about community, 
sometimes this community isn't even people we know. I mean, I knew Pete, but it's books we read. It's understanding how we work as humans. It's understanding uh, through therapy and good counseling and through good community. I mean, it's, it's using everything we have to get through this thing called life. And I think the greatest thing we can do is encourage one another to do that. You know, often I, I, I talk to people about therapy. Um, some of you contact me and tell me everything you're going through, and then I recommend therapy, and you'll often tell me, well, I've already been through it, and I don't need it. And, I mean, I just want, I don't know what else to do except be like, okay, well, all right. I'm not going to do anything to help you because I'm just a guy who loves the Bible and loves theology and philosophy. I mean, I can try to help you. But, like, if I recommend therapy, I'm recommending therapy in a way of loving you as myself, as saying, this is what's gotten me out of this situation. This is what's helped me with this situation. And sometimes therapy gets you in even harder situations, to be honest with you. Um, and you say, well, I can't afford therapy. Well, maybe a support group or, 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 you know, just baby steps. Even books, to me, can be a part of community, like I said before. So even reading a good book. I mean, I read a book on, on the first time I quit stopped having panic attacks for a year and a half was that I found a book from the 1950s on panic attacks and read it and it helped me a lot. And to be honest with you, how I kind of conquered the panic attacks the second time besides electric shock therapy, but also was through this radical acceptance. And that also kind of included back to that 1950s book that I read. And um, funny thing is my dad gave me that book. It was a book that helped him when he was a in his 20s, suffering from panic attacks. And it was still the same ideas. You know, I just had to get a little bit more radical with the choking because it was like, you know, it was like they wanted to, panic wanted to be like, I have control. And I had to be like, okay, take it. Take the wheel. You know, completely against my normal instincts. Um, you know, I was like, all right, panic, you want it? Go for it. Let's do this. Let's let it all go through. But this is, you know, I have a good buddy of mine who we talk and he was telling me last night how hard it is for him to practice grace sometimes and, and show grace to others. And I said, you know, and I said, you know, this is my life. Talking about grace is my life. It is my work. It is my life's work. It's what I love to do. Um, you know, besides my children, it's the most important thing to me. My children, the only thing I would give up talking about this for would be my children, okay? Um, but he said, you know, I can't, and I'm like, you know, this is, I, I spend my life doing this. This is what I love to do, and yet I still struggle with it. Um, like last night, I had somebody post something really mean on Instagram, and they, you could tell they set up a whole account just to say one mean thing to me. You know, and I, I put it in my stories. Now, the thing is, is that probably wasn't the most graceful thing to do. Now, I marked their name out, but I still put it in my stories because there was a part of me that was like, I can't even do this anymore, so I'm just going to let my friends know and maybe my friends will come in. And you know what? One did, and it was really cool, and it really meant a lot to me. Um, but at the same time, it was still not the most gracious thing. I think the most gracious thing I could have done was just delete it and moved on. Now it's gone because I guess they had a, you know, a late-night conversion and decided to take it down. Um, but like for me, even practicing grace is a really difficult thing, you know, like sometimes, you know, when, when people tell me they want me to write another book about my, my life story, it's like, okay, well here, I'll just put a list of enemies. Do you think people will just buy a book of list of enemies who people who've wronged me? You know, it's like, I feel that. And you go, well, Jay, what does this have to do with suffering? Everything. You know, sometimes we're able to say that it's those people's faults that we're suffering. It's their faults. But I think we also have to look and see what part do we play in our own suffering. Um, and mental health, man. It's just like, I'll tell you what, depression is probably one of the greatest deceivers in this world. It's not the devil. It's, you know, the devil's got nothing on depression. Um, so... No, and all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now, the reason I wanted to also share this verse is because I read this verse at my mom's funeral, and she really believed this. 
And it's interesting, like she didn't do it perfectly, not, and no one in the Bible ever did anything as perfectly. I love the story of Abraham in the New Testament. Like he's the father of faith. Oh, he's, he's so great. He, he showed us grace 438 years before the law was given, you know. But, you know, because he looked at the stars and the father said, this will be, your, your descendants will be as, as many as these stars. And he believed that he was made right. You know, but if you read the actual story, it was like he believed it. And then the next second he's having sex with other people because he didn't really believe it, you know. And so even in my own mother's life, like someone was upset with me because they're like, ah, oh, it made your mom look like a drug addict in that movie. I'm like, well, she was addicted to Ativan in her life. You know, she was a survivor, but panic and worry and, and, and fatigue, you know. So she took medication that the doctors gave her, but she abused it because it was life was tough. So she was a survivor, but even in that survival, she needed help. And I think that's important that we look at our heroes and things like that and realize that they are human. You know, even those who survived often, like we look at great people who survived and they went through bouts of alcoholism. They went back through drugs addiction because they were, they were self-medicating because they also did not know how to cope with pain. They also did not know how to cope uh, with suffering. You know, they also cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so what I want to say is when we give up at that moment and go, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That might be the moment to realize that we've reached Christ in a really pure way. Um, I wish I would have realized that before I tried to take my own life. And fortunately, I realized it afterwards, but I wish I would have realized that in that moment, because I think that would have been something that would have stopped me from, from, from doing that. So I guess my, my, my message here is, is that if you're in the position to help someone who's suffering, nothing, if, if, if nothing is going to separate them from the love of God and you go, well, I want to love people like Jesus loves people, and you know, what would Jesus do and all that stuff? Well, then nothing, not bad theology, not politics, not what they've done in the past, not what they've done in the future, is going to separate them from the love of God, then that's how we have to love other people. And that's a tough call. I, I can already hear the pushback on it. And I'm not saying each individual has to do that, but as community, maybe we can do that. You know? Because I love people. I have people in this community who have done things in the past that I did not, like, horrified me. But I've been able to love anyway. And, and partially because they weren't the ones who, they, they, they're, Offense wasn't done to me, so I'm able to help love them a little bit more. You know, I'm able to help love them and also love those who've been hurt by it and say, hey, you need to deal with this. You don't need to deal, you know, I, your, your anger is justified. It's okay. It's okay to love, sit down with them and say, your anger is justified. What this person did is unacceptable and still love the person who did something that was unacceptable. Not, I'm not saying the victim has to do that, but I'm saying that's what we do is we're able to love across the line. The problem is, is this binary thinking of, these group is bad, this group is good, and then we stick in that. Um, I mean, that's how I felt growing up, is that Christians were good and non-Christians were bad, and I had to save them from their being bad and going to hell, and they were going to suffer. But until they went to hell, they were there to be bad and make me stray away. I mean, it was like, but I also had to save them. So it was this really weird thing of like, but don't go to any weird places with them. You know, it was this really mixed message. And I think what we hear see with Paul is that you know, he's trying to tell a group of people who are being killed and their lives being torn apart that God's love is still there for them. And at least we know that his love is still there for them. Even when we don't believe in God, I think we can all find maybe someone in our life, hopefully, that still loves us. But it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to accept. Um, all right. Sorry, I, I kind of stuck on that one a, a bit too long. Let's run over to James. That's right, I said James. <laughs> you know, I don't, get, I don't get really back that far in the Bible much. Don't really go, <laughs> kind of like, kind of like stay like right around here. Um, so James is another one that's always been interesting to me, is James 1, 2 through 4. Um, we're going to see contradiction here. And, and like I said before, like, the things I love about philosophy is philosophy allowed me to see the beauty of contradiction is that when it's usually when it's unfixable, there is some higher truth there. 
there's something greater that for us to realize. And um, sometimes the beauty lies within the dialectic, within the contradiction, um, even within the compromise, believe it or not. You know, um, my brother and sister, whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy. Now, at this point, I, I want to slap James. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Nothing but joy. Okay, fantastic. That sounds great. Um, how's that working for you, James? Um, because you know that testing of your faith produces endurance, and endurance have to full effect, and that you may mature and completely lacking in nothing. So James says, all right, guys, look at this. When you go through suffering, when you go through hardships, you will learn to grow. Um, but the problem is it's like the blind leading the blind. I mean, that's what I love about the 12 steps. Honestly, there should be just a 12-step program for everything. And I, there might, there probably actually is at this point. Um, is that I was able to go in suffering, miserable, thought it was a cult, to be honest with you. Some people still do think it's a cult. But I was able to kind of see uh, there's <laughs> steps. There was these steps put out before me. And it wasn't impossible steps. Um, but there was kind of these steps that I learned to work. And I learned to look at why I resent others, why I feel pain, what my part in it was, you know, through this process. And it's sad to me that the church, who's been around longer than 12-step programs, still hasn't grasped this idea. You know, that still hasn't figured out that this is probably a good idea and how we should treat each other, how we should restore each other, how we should help each other, that we should maybe just use some practical steps to get there. And that, you know, really we shouldn't freak out over sin. And really maybe like the leadership, how they, leadership is set up in the 12-step program might be a better way to set up leadership in the church. I don't know. It seems to work more. Seem, you know, you don't hear about a whole lot of fallen 12-step leaders because when they do, they usually get white chips. When they do, there's usually tough conversations and conversations had, you know. Um, it's hard for me because I think the church is so, I think for a lot of us listening right now, is a big part of a lot of our suffering. Lack of restoration, lack of grace. And we want to blame the church, but honestly, the church is just a, group of people full together who are going through the same thing and it's just like we're all kind of screwy and sick you know like oh they're like i remember when they, somebody called my dad the cancer body of the christ you know oh, remove him you know it's like christianity didn't get much better after that really did it you know so when we start thinking it's uh, you know well it's this person or it's that person it's like well you know what maybe what we're doing doesn't work and it's time to step back and take a different look maybe it's time to be practical maybe it's time to look at contradictions maybe it's time to look and say that maybe the sins were we're fighting, the things we're fighting aren't really that. That we're living longer and it's time to think a little bit differently outside the box. Um, it's time to be a little bit more friendly that casting people out to the night doesn't work. Leaving the church angry and pissed off doesn't, you know, and carrying that with us forever doesn't really work either. You know, legalism really doesn't work in either fact. I mean, look, legalism in, in Christianity, legalism in Judaism, legalism in atheism, legalism in wokeism, legalism and conservatism just is shit. It's just pure shit because it's all who's in, who's out. And when you have to live in this world of, of towing that line, you start to work, you know, start to feel insecure. You start to suffer. That causes enough suffering on itself, much less our own insecurities of, am I going to pay my bills? Am I a good parent? You know, am I a good partner? Am I a good friend? You know, why do I feel sad all the time? Why do I have these voices inside me that tell me I'm not good enough? Why do I have these voices that tell me that I'm lazy and that I'm bad? I mean, it's amazing. Like I, a few days ago, I, I dropped my kids off and I fell asleep and I think I slept for like 15 hours, you know? And I told somebody, like, I slept like 15 hours. And I felt like a complete piece of shit because of it. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. And like, it's probably what your body needed, you know? Um, but it's funny because I think one good thing that comes out of social media is that we've realized that our bodies do get exhausted from, you know, we've heard it from therapy and now it's getting out there. It's like, hey, if you go through depression, if you fight off depression, if you fight uh, suffering, that your body's going to take on some of this. You know, I, I was at my analyst and I was like, man, my, my lower back's hurting me. I don't know what's going on. You know, and he's like, because you've 
taking all this pressure and all this worry and all the stress and they'll start to, if you try to deny it, it just shows up in your body, you know, and kind of realizing this kind of stuff. And, and, and the funny thing is how someone just recognizing like, oh, that's kind of what you needed. It's okay. Just telling somebody it's okay to be alive, you know, like, oh yeah, you're, you're dealing with stuff. You're going through a hard time. It's amazing just what trying to love each other, be understanding, and being friendly will do to help suffering. So when we want to rejoice in suffering, I think it's a little bit hard to rejoice in suffering, James, until the community starts to help us. All right? That's what I'm going to say. It's a little bit tough to do it on your own, James. So I, I want to be complete and lacking in nothing. Um, but I also don't want to be the type of person that is so hurt and so pissed off that I just tell people to screw off and I just live, because I'm close to that sometimes, folks. I mean, I will honestly say in my personal life, I'm close to just saying like, I'm just going to be a dad. I'm going to do talks from here and just never be around people. Like there's time that that is a huge temptation for me. Um, and it just cut off the, even the few friends that I have. So I, what I'm trying to say is not that, oh, poor me. What I'm trying to say is I understand the need to do this. So what I'm, I'm going to push back a little bit with James here and not give him a fair shake because I'm not reading this whole book today. Um, but I would push back and say, hey, yeah, but if I'm going to be whole and complete, I need some people loving their neighbor as themselves around me as well. I need some other people who are catching on to this idea as well, who are practicing, putting some of this stuff into practice. That's why it frightens me when I hear like people who just don't like to read the Bible or like when I see like, one one denomination that focuses only on the writings of Paul, you know, and then one group of people who only focus on the writings of Jesus. And I don't like that, Paul, you know, and or, I don't like, you know, and so they focus on these, just they start to and not forget about the broader look at things. Um, and I mean, I'll admit, I focus a lot on Paul. You got me. But I always try to take it back to what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is talking about and what other guys are talking about as well. I'm sorry, I'm exhausted, to be honest with you. But, like, what... But when we get this complete picture, we're able to be a better community, you know? Um, because I feel like if we just become Jesus followers and just say, well, we'll just focus on Jesus and everybody else can screw off, um, we miss that work in action. We miss what it looks like in action. We miss what it looks like in community. You know, we got somebody who nobody, you know, Jesus just has these 12 guys that also eventually just abandon him at the end. Um, <laughs> so, you know, but then to see it 20 years later, you know, oh, this is what the community looks like. Oh, and this is what the community is going through. Oh, and this is the answer to the community is to, you know, be nice to each other and go through this with each other. Interesting, right? And I say community because it's not even one or two people. You know, I'm not saying two people. Um, because how many times, I have sometimes people who contact me on DM and go, hey, there's somebody who comes to the church and I can't stand them. And I'm like, God, you guys don't even live in the same city and you don't like each other. That's amazing. Um, but the thing was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll note noted, you know, but you, know, you don't have to focus on them. You know, don't, you know, there's so many other people. Have you, have you met this guy or have you met this girl or have you met this woman or have you met this person? You know, have you talked with them? And, you know, we're talking, you know, but this is, this is probably, this is what happens when communities are open, communities of people coming together who suffer, who go through life and live life on life's terms. But I, I, but I do believe that if we do this and learn how to do this in community, there will be a point where we can, we, we won't be lacking. I don't want to say we're not going to lack anything, but where we're, we're suffering does allow us to grow as human beings and to know what to expect. Um, and, and, and I think there's this trap that, that America sends out. It says, you can be happy. You can be happy. If you just have enough stuff, you can be happy. Or if you just read the right books, you can be happy. Now, these things can help but they're not going to solve the problem. And, and, and also by learning how to embrace the problem and find uh, practical ways like therapy or 12-step programs or things like that to deal with it, that's where you start to feel a little bit more complete because you learn how to work it out. You learn how to like, oh, this is where, oh, the, 
you know, for me, like a lot of my counseling was always like helping me cope with the problem. Now that going to see an analyst is now saying like, we're going to face the problem. And that's really tough work. It's the toughest thing I've ever done. It's like, we're not going to just, you're not going to learn to cope with it. Matter of fact, we're going to take away some of those coping mechanisms that you've learned over time because we're going to face it head on. But I'm 46 and it's taken me a long time to do that. Um, I mean, the greater question is why do we suffer? But, you know, that goes along with the same question of why are we here? Um, so over in Second Peter, I don't even know how long I've gone. I, don't, I can't see the clock on my phone. I don't have my, my watch on. So I'm just going to go until I'm finished. Um, and if you need to go, it's cool. This will be here for you. YouTube will be here for you. All our online, you know, our, 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 our uh, podcasts will be up on Wednesday. So that'll all be there for you to hear if, if this gets too long for you. Um, Second Peter 1. Um, oh, this is one time when I do go backwards a little bit. First Peter. Second Peter 1, 4 through 8. And I meant to highlight this so I could see it better, but I'm going to try to read it for you guys, all right? First Peter uh, 1, 4. Thus he has given us through these things the precious and very great promise so that through them you may escape, it's talking, okay, problems, um, escape from the corruption, listen, the corruption that is in this world because of lust, oh, lust, and may become, per, okay, I'm going to try to read this again because my eyes are just really giving me a hard time, guys. Okay, let's just start at three. His divine power has given us everything needed for life and goodness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Thus he has given us through these things his, his precious and very great promise so that through them you may escape from the corruption that is in this world because of lust and many becoming participants in the divine nature. For the very reason you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self Control and self-control with endurance. Now, remember, we talked about learning about what does suffering build in us? Endurance. And so I, I, this is why I wanted to read this part is that endurance is, is very important. Through endurance and self-control, through endurance and endurance with godliness and godliness with, with mutual affection. Did you hear that? Godliness, then what leads next? Mutual affection. And mutual affection with love with loving and mutual affection with, okay, with uh, loving and mutual affection with loving, for if there is, for if there is things you <clears throat> are yours, you are, you're increasing amongst you. They are increasing amongst you because these things are yours. They keep you from being infected and unfruitful in this world. Now, why I want to, oh, in knowledge. So one of the things I wanted to see, the reason I wanted to say this, read this, and I hope you caught it. If not, you can go back and listen to it later. But this talks about a course of things that we should go through for avoiding this corrupted world. But I wanted to be like, I wrote down in my notes, what is this corrupted world? This corrupted world is divided thinking, is, 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 um, is this uh, constant scapegoating of one another. It is not showing, not being gentle when we restore one another. Like if we really want to look at what, what, what the bad things are, it's not loving our neighbor as ourselves. It's not uh, loving the other. It's, it's, it's prejudice. It's, it's racism. It's heterosexism. It's sexism. It's uh, self-hate. It's not even, it's all these different things. It's these, you know, 
Um, but it's also being like, oh, but I don't love the racist or I don't love the sexist. It's not even realizing that we have to, in order to change them, we have to love them and become friends to them. And the point is this, is that everything about this that says, all it says about get, your, get good knowledge, you know, to avoid corruption, you know, get good knowledge, uh, where is it, endurance, uh, godliness, and mutual infection and mutual affection with loving. Now, the, all the goal is here, and it says so you don't become infected by bad fruit. All the whole goal is love. The whole goal of this is being a good person and doing all this stuff is loving other people. And I swear to you, growing up, they said the goal was to get to heaven or the goal was to be a good person, and by being a good person was by not doing those things that did not get you into heaven. And it's so bad, such bad theology, such bad, bad theology. And when it's saying like all these things that we've focused on, the whole point is to lead to loving all people. Now, when you love all people, some of the stuff you do is going to look like winking at sin or not or not being taking it seriously but the whole point is, is that you get to the point where you love people so much that all this other shit is just naturally in you and you know when it's right and when it's not and maybe you're in community you know this but it, it, so when it says this perverse generation you know i was raised to think perverse generation was was all these minors that we've we, we've come to focus on all this 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 great distraction rather than loving others I was even told to not love others was part of being good Christian. To not accept others was being a good Christian. So I left that church and went over to this church. And you know what? Then they told me, well, yeah, well, we're great. And we've got it all figured out. We've got grace and it's really cool. But we really don't want to associate with people like that over there either. And I went, oh, there's something wrong. <laughs> Both sides. The fact that there are sides, we've missed it up. We can agree to disagree, but when we start saying like, here's the line in the sand, that person's bad because of, you know, once you figured it out, you've created a new law. You've created a new law that says, and what happens in that is suffering. Because you're saying if you don't add up to A, B, or C, you're out. And so what happens to little Zoe or little Jay or little Steve, or little Beth, or little Val, you know, what, what happens to us when we're, we're young is that what we hear is, well, if you don't do it this way, you're not good. You're not accepted. So you're accepted by your works. That's what happens to us. So we're accepted by if we do certain things or don't do certain things. We're not just loved. And so we grow up and some of us go in one way where we go, I'm never going to do that shit again. And then other ones of us go to the other way and go, um, well, I'm just going to love everybody. Um, but then we start to realize, oh, there's not all these, there's these other people. Oh, well, Nazis. <laughs> Screw Nazis. Fuck Nazis. We're not going to love Nazis, okay? And I'm not saying, but, you know, I've got a pastor up here who, 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 who had a whole ministry to Nazis in America who were like white supremacists and stuff because he felt like someone needed to love these people and expose these people to the, to the fact that they are, they are misinformed, you know? And hey, guess what? Jesus was a Jew. Or, or cops. Yeah, someone put cops. See, I was raised by a lot of people who were either former cops or became cops or things like that. So I, when I hear all cops are bad, I'm like, mm, that's just not true. Not all anything is bad. People are bad, you know? Um... But yeah, those are, you know, it's funny. Like for me, I, I sent a message to someone the other day who was a, a security guard with us when I growing up. And I told him, I said, you know, I felt seen when you were around and I, and I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Now here's someone that I would promise you is probably different political beliefs than most of us here. Uh, was a, a veteran, police, been a police officer, security, whole life. And it, and it is one of the reasons I'm sitting here, you know? So the fact is that we want to, society now tells us, oh, these people who've made me are people that you would probably not agree with. You know, it's always funny, like when I, when I used to have uh, people be like, where did you get your liberal theology from? And I'd be like, the family Christian bookstore. 
what? Not our family, Christian. Yeah, yeah, you know, those books in there, just that's, I read the history and the context, and then I started going to find other books that were, they referenced, and yeah, that's how I kind of came here. So, so the truth, the truth is love. First John, God is love. The truth is, is a lot of us are, are, are feeling suffering, are feeling going through these things because someone told someone else that we weren't lovable or that we were told we weren't lovable. And so this message goes out. And, you know, just real quick thing, a real th quick thing about cancel culture. I, I just want to hit on this. This is a soapbox thing for me. Is that I am 46 years old. And if you don't think cancel culture, my parents were canceled, okay? They didn't cancel me. My parents were canceled. In 87, 88, people decided to cancel them both. Now people are divided and, oh, Tammy's great and Jim's bad, or, oh, Jim's great and Tammy was bad. I mean, the one message I got last night was why my mom was so horrible and my dad was so good. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, hey, great, try to get me to hate both members of my family, why don't we? Um, is that it still exists. Like, the canceling never stops. I still deal with people who attack me all the time or say really shitty things to me about my parents or tell me what I can like about my parents and what I can't like about my parents. And it all has to do with stuff that happened in the 80s, okay? That's all anybody wants to talk about. That was the canceling thing. Boom, there it is, and that's what I have to deal with. So, and I've got these apologists. I like to call them Baker apologists who come after me and go, oh, and I'm going, hey, I lived through this. You slow your jets, you pump your brakes. You got to realize who you're talking to here. Like, I know things you don't know. Like, let's just accept that. But it never goes away. So cancel culture doesn't just offend, uh, screw up the people's lives who cancel them. Then you get the other side who's going, well, we're going to well, completely 100% just go the other way. And what happens is, I'm 46 years old and I'm still defending my parents for something that happened when I was 11. That happened between 1 and 11. Not even 1 and 11, I would say probably my 6, six to 11. So this is why I hate cancel culture. Because cancel culture also leads to suffering. What we're saying when we do cancel culture is we are going to make that person suffer forever. With no hope of forgiveness or return. And when we think that that's a good idea, we are suffering because we are finding people to cause, we are looking to cause and inflict horror pain. We are, we are looking for someone to hate and to blame. And the thing is, is like, this is where hate the, <laughs> hate the sin, not the sinner might come in actually to be a good thing, which I don't like that phrase at all, but this might be a point where it comes into a good thing because usually we've got really good reasons nowadays for canceling people. You know, like they were molesting people or they were touching people they weren't supposed to or they were sexually abusing people. And Yes, that is horrible shit. Those are seem to be legit reasons to cancel. So I'm not saying we just give them back everything they had. But I'm saying maybe we learn how to fix these situations. Maybe we find some restoration in these situations. And you know what? You can hate me for saying that shit because it's my job to say, we, I have, it's my job to go in and show grace. It's my job to go in and forgive other people. And what I'm basically saying here is like, it, you in the community, hey, if you want to go forward with me, great. If you don't want to go forward with me and you just want to hear about it, great. But this is what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to try to love those people that everybody says are unlovable. Because at one time, my parents were unlovable. And still to this day, to some people, my mom is unlovable and to some people, my dad is unlovable. And I know what that feels like firsthand, and it's shit, because it doesn't stop there. And it doesn't just stop with kids. I have to talk to my nephews all the time. They're suffering because Baker apologists have come into their life. You know, and they're like, wait, I thought that was our job. <laughs> and now they're mad at me because I like to film. You know? And it's the grandkids. They're the grandkids. My kids are grandkids. So we cause crazy amounts of suffering to others. And so what can we do to be the difference in this shit? What can we do to be the difference in this world? You know, let's start having tough, tough conversations. Let's start loving our enemies, folks. 
Let's start saying, like, I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat. Both are kind of really crappy anyway. You know? If you think either side really cares about you, then I just want to help you not be delusional anymore and make you realize, like, no, they probably really don't. That's why community is important. Politicians aren't going to save us at this point. God, I wish they would. I mean, even I get a little amped up around presidential time thinking that that guy's, one of those guys is going to do something, you know. But what? Both are shit. Um, so I think we were, I was going to end with First Peter. I was going to jump back into First Peter here real quick. Um, three, was it First Peter 3.15? Oh, that's, thank goodness. I thought I was like, oh, wow, that's really dark. But it was, I went to James and started reading the same verse thing. I was like, oh, that's so not what I thought I was going to read to you guys. Um, so First Peter 3. 15 through 17. In your heart, sanctify Christ as Lord always and be ready. Oh yeah, be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you uh, a, accountability for what hope there that you that is in you. So basically, so if, if someone's gonna, you know, it says be ready. If someone's gonna push you on, on Christianity, this is what first people, Someone's going to push you on Christianity. If someone's going to question your faith, if someone's going to be like, hey, Jay, oh, what's wrong with hell? I think hell's real and you're wrong and you don't think there's a literal hell and so you're probably going to go there to hell, you know? And it says, be ready for me to give an answer. If it says, um, oh, well, Jay, you don't, I'm trying to think of controversial things and I believe, oh, you don't believe in the pastoral epistles and you think that those are forgeries that were actually meant, written to screw up Paul's life. And screw up Paul's message. Well, this is why you're wrong and you're bad. You know, what this, what does Peter, what does first Peter tell me to do? Um, it says, uh, it says, always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you accounting for the hope that is that that you have yet do not with but yet do it with gentleness and reverence keep your conscience clean so that when you are uh, marginalized those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame for it is better to be suffering for doing good than suffering that should be God's uh, God's will that you suffer for doing evil, for Christ has also suffered. So I go back to the suffering thing. Is it saying that sometimes when you defend the gospel, sometimes when you defend your theology, when you defend your philosophy, when you defend certain things, Peter's advice to us is do it gently and humbly. It's not to demand our own way. It's not to you know throw down our flag. You know, it's be gentle and humble. So Paul's saying, when you defend yourself, when you def and Peter's saying, when you defend the gospel, when you defend God or Christianity or your belief system, do it gently and humbly, the same way Paul tells us how to restore a brother or sister who has fallen. So the same way we're supposed to handle people who are fallen, who are probably hurt, who are suffering. We are supposed to deal with other people how we do. Now, now look at this though, is what it says is, you're probably gonna suffer a little bit for this. So realizing that suffering is a big part of our story, that even when you're humble, even when you show grace, it doesn't mean you're going to receive grace from others. Matter of fact, you probably won't. And at first they might even see it as weakness. It might be a long lesson for them to learn that, oh my gosh, that one person who didn't like just tear me to shreds was actually showing me grace. That one person said, well, we can agree to disagree. And I was like, no, we can't. Sorry, you're going to hell. You know, maybe one day they'll go, oh, damn, that person was showing me grace rather than telling me to, you know, I was wrong and bad and evil and horrible. So in everything we do in restoration and even in self-defense, it is to be gentle and humble. We are to love our neighbors as ourselves. We are to love our enemies and do good to them and, you know, not persecute those who persecute us. 
be pray for them is what it says. I like to pray for them because I feel like that's loving from a distance. It's just like, you know, God, I don't know if you're listening or not, but you know, just take care of that person because I can't do anything right now. And it might be blocking or not talking or whatever. God, we live in such a weird new world because of all this crappy technology and lovely technology. Um, so why does this go along with suffering? Because suffering is a part of what we're going to go through. Why does this go on with ideas about community and how we treat each other? Because it's important. You know? I mean, think about as we, if we're together as, as, as just politically divided people, okay? And we're, we're, we're here in a community that we're politically divided. And I know we are because I see names pop up and I know what you different people think and vote often because <laughs> you tell me. I don't know why, but you tell me. Um, um, why is it important that we can go to each other? Because when we are bamboozled by our family and put in a corner by our family who may not agree with us uh, or, or our kids who may not agree with us uh, in our theology or our, 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 our thing. We're able to maybe go to our friend in the revolution and go like, hey, you know, you're one of, you're part of this party. And when I'm at my house, I get attacked. Why do you think they attack me? What is it about that? What is it about, you know, that system that it feels so threatened by this, you know, because that's something we could probably bring to each other. We could probably help each other deal with the idea of, of what it's going to be like for Thanksgiving with the liberal family or the conservative family and, and talk to each other and go like, why, why are you guys seem really insecure about this situation? You know, why are you guys afraid that if we all have health care, we're going to turn into Russia? You know what I mean? Whatever. Or, or why are you, uh, you know, or, or, why are you, you know, liberals afraid that if we all have guns, we're going to kill each other? You know, whatever. I, I don't know. I can't do that justice. So there you go. Um, there you go today is, is that suffering is, is, is something we all go through. Hell, I'm going through it right now, and that's why I talked about it today. Honestly, I didn't even want to be here today, <laughs> but I'm glad I did. Um... Love you guys. Um, listen, be a, try to be there for each other. Be kind to each other. Also, if you like what we're doing, um, you can go to revolutionchurch.com and um, make a donation. That helps this happen, um, and it helps what we're doing. We, we've got, uh, I've got a group of people together that I'm trying to help me organize this thing a little bit better. This is a tough situation, a tough time. Um, but if you want to give, you can go to revolutionchurch.com. And uh, I, I'm grateful for that because it allows me to do this work. It allows me to read books. It allows me to get up and feel frustrated and, and, and still face the day and, and, and uh, talk to you guys about all this stuff. Uh, today's talk felt a bit raw. So, you know, it is what it is. It's out there in the world now. Love you guys so much. Thank you so much for, for listening. And, and I hope you got out of this is that, one, it's okay to suffer. Yes, suffering will help you build character. Um, but it's also okay to just take time and, and take a nap, even if it's a 14-hour nap, or lean on each other. You know, Basically, what I, I want you to let you know is, is right now you're okay where you're at, and you're accepted. And you're accepted in this community. It's not an easy community. It's not an easy community to be a part of because we have diverse thoughts. But you're accepted here. So that's the good thing. And uh, we're going to try to grow together over time. So, thanks, Phil. Bye-bye. listening. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. 